0: So much of modern motherhood is spent wishing we were doing better, whether we're comparing ourselves to other moms or to the ideal mom we assumed we'd be before we had kids. But this wishing takes us further and further away from joy and it stops us from being the mom we want to be. I'm Rebecca Brownright and I'm here to help you focus on connection because connecting more deeply with yourself and with your kids will help you forget about mom comparisons. Connection will help you resolve behavior issues with your kids and connection will help you live a life full of real joy. Because that's what you and your kids deserve. Pause and connect with me for a moment to listen to discussions about connection and motherhood, finding your purpose, smashing cultural narratives, and so much more. This is Pause and Connect. Hi friends, thanks for being here. This is Pause and Connect, episode 38, called How Will They Ever Learn? Now, as you know, I advocate for connected parenting. Connected parenting is a type of parenting in which parents focus on the relationship first. This paradigm eliminates punishment and made-up consequences in favor of empathy, co-regulation, skills building, understanding child development, those types of things. It's similar to other parenting types that you may have heard of, like attachment parenting, gentle parenting, positive parenting, in that it's very child-centered and relationship-centered. But because these types of parenting, they all kind of they they all get away from traditional parenting methods like consequences and rewards, um, and because of that, people just don't always know what to make of it. So I want to address a common question, a common response actually, to this type of connected parenting that I advocate for. When I say something like this is how to parent without punishment, I get responses from people with comments like, "Well, how will they ever learn?" Or what about when they're in the real world? That's well, a very common response to this type of parenting. And I see this on gentle parenting accounts, attachment parenting, all, all those child-centered, relationship-centered parenting accounts. So it's a legitimate question, I think, based especially on how our society views parenting. Because we have this pressure to produce in this society. Produce children who are productive, who are kind, who are successful, who don't get in trouble with the law. That's that's what that's what we're being told to do as parents. And so everything we do is future based, which makes us put so much stock in the everyday moments. So that's where we get that fear. You hear this a lot. Like, if I don't put an end to this back talk at three, then my child's going to walk all over me as a teenager. Like, you've heard that said to you. You've probably thought it, like, because it's so ingrained in our society. Or similarly, if I don't teach my child to say thank you now, then they're going to grow up to be entitled brats. Or if I don't stop my child from lying, they're going to become a lying thief and end up in jail. And that's the thing. I've probably mentioned that on this podcast before someone always comes into the comments and says, yeah, your child's going to end up in jail. That's like the the ultimate insult to this type of connected parenting. So let me first remind you that this line of thinking is fear-based. And when we make decisions from a fear-based perspective, we aren't level-headed. We almost always overreact in some way. It's completely not level-headed to say if my if my child who's 7 years old just lied to me and if I don't stop them from lying right now then they're going to end up in jail when they're 25 like that there's no level headedness in that it's totally fear based but it's normal it's so normal that's how we've been conditioned to think about parenting and i've said this before and i'll probably say it again if we're afraid it's because we are so filled with love <laughs> that it terrifies us, right, for anything to go wrong. So it's not bad to be afraid, because we love our kids so much. This comes from such a good place. The challenge, though, is learning to feel the fear, move through the fear, and wait to make decisions until the fear has passed. Fear is not bad. It's when we're making decisions in the fear. So let's address these questions, though. How will my child ever learn? What will happen when they're in the real world? These questions are valid, and we want to make sure we're making good decisions now to help our children in the future. The answer, of course, is that connection is the answer, and that's going to unfold throughout this whole episode. But to address these questions adequately, we have to flip them. It's not about making our kids do the right thing now so that they do the right thing later. Okay, that's that's the paradigm that we have in our society. Make your kid do the right thing now so that they do the right thing later when the stakes are higher. That's not what it's about. It's about gradually teaching skills over time so that as our children develop, they learn how to make appropriate decisions. Let me say that one more time. It's about gradually teaching skills over time so that as our children develop, they learn how to make appropriate decisions it's just like walking, okay? When our child is learning to walk, we're so good at this. We are so good at letting them learn. We're really good at not catastrophizing and worrying about if they don't walk perfectly now, they're never going to learn to walk. We don't do that with walking, right? We have this innate understanding that this is a process. It takes time. It takes falls, and we recognize that it happens on their own time. So let's keep that in mind as we talk about this question and fear of this episode. Using the example of backtalk, we tend to think if I don't nip this in the bud right now, they'll walk all over me. So we punish immediately because we need to fix it, right? So we take away a toy, we put them in timeout, we yell at them people advocate for spanking. I see this in, in, in forums all the time. Like, yeah, you've got to spank your kid right now so that they don't talk back to you as a teenager. And and that's, you'll see, I'll, I'll go over all of that through this. We, we, that's not something we advocate for here, but whatever it is, whatever we do to punish, we, we do it quickly. Because we want to ensure that our kids connect something unpleasant with what they've just done. This is how society is teaching us to parent. And this is what I'm advocating against. I'm saying, let's not do this. But it makes sense that we're doing this. We reason that this is appropriate because they need to learn that it's not appropriate to talk back. And with that reasoning, then, this is the quote-unquote right way. We need to teach the lesson immediately. However, let's go back to the walking Do we do this when our children are learning to walk? When our one-year-old falls, do we swiftly scoop in and take away their favorite stuffed animal? Do we put them in the corner? No, (laughs) that would be ludicrous, right? So if we don't do that for walking, why do we need to do it for backtalk? These are both skills that need to be learned. Now, that's something that is not taught to us in our society. We have not been taught that learning to speak kindly to people is a skill. We've just been taught that if they don't speak kindly, then there's something wrong with them and we need to punish them. So this is a huge paradigm shift. Learning to talk kindly to our parents is a skill to be learned, just like learning to walk across the room when you're one year old is a skill to learn. So when we view our child's misbehavior as a developing skill, everything becomes more clear. That paradigm just, whoa, it just opens up your mind and everything changes. Let's talk about three things to do when our kiddos make the wrong choice. These three things involve zero punishment, which may make some parents uncomfortable, right? But remember, we're viewing our kiddos' wrong choices as unlearned skills. They need help growing and learning. And just like we wouldn't take away a toy when our wobbly one-year-old falls down, we don't need to find a punishment when our child talks back lies, hits their sibling, stays out past curfew, keeps on a test, crashes the car or anything else. Okay, I know, I know this feels scary. Stay with me. I promise I'm going to show you how this works. The first thing to keep in mind is that whatever your child has done, this is a moment. You don't need to think to the future yet. (laughs) I say yet because of course we're preparing our children for the future. But in this moment, when you just found out, let's say that your child bullied a kid at school, you don't need to think to yourself, if I don't get this under control now, my child is going to grow up to be a murderer. Okay, that's catastrophizing. And while I chose an extreme example, becoming a murderer, we all tend to get a little extreme when our kids make big mistakes, right? we worry. We worry so much because we love them so much. So that worry is not bad. That worry is natural. We want to choose to do the very best thing in this moment to help our children. We want to ensure that this mistake is a one-time thing and that it will never happen again. But that's the, that's the error of our thinking. We can't, We can't shame or punish a behavior out of our child and make it never happen again. So in the moment, there's nothing that you have to do to make sure it never happens again. Does that make sense? You don't have to have that pressure. It is a moment. I'll, I'll keep talking about this to make that become more clear. Let me talk about my little, my, my oldest child when she was little. She never stopped talking <laughs> and she tended to argue with me whenever I asked her to do something. Now, This was probably part personality, but it was also part of the way I was raising her because I was raising her from a very fear-based perspective and trying to control her. And so there was a lot of argument. Um, And this arguing worried me so much. I worried what would happen if she was ahead of me on a walk and didn't see the car that's coming. And I tell her to stop. And instead of stopping, she turns around to argue with me while still walking. Now, this isn't This really wasn't a far-fetched worry because she often didn't notice cars. So I was like, I was so worried. I was worried, you know, like if we're in a crowded place and I'm about to lose her or I see somebody who looks dangerous and I tell her to come back to me that instead of coming back, she'd argue with me. So this made every interaction with her fraught and down to like just the little things because I was just so worried. Like if she never listens to me, what's going to happen when we're out in the the street? What's going to happen when we're out in public? So for example, if she didn't turn off the iPad immediately after I told her to, what did I do? I worried about the hypothetical stranger who was going to kidnap her and I wouldn't be able to stop it because she wouldn't listen to me and come back. Right? Now, it I not everybody catastrophizes in this way. Maybe you're listening to this and thinking that I'm extreme, but a lot of us do. And so if you're if you're resonating, I hope that this I hope that this example is starting to show you that we don't need to think in this way because The iPad is not the kidnapper or the car barreling down the street. It's an iPad in a moment. But I was putting so much weight on whether she followed my directions or not that I would end up punishing her for not turning off the iPad fast enough. And then I'd give her a lecture on how it's so important to listen and follow my instructions. Now, the reason I was doing this is because I had this kidnapper in my head or I had this car in my head. I had the big thing in my head that I was so worried about and I was so afraid she wasn't going to follow me. So now this iPad became an emergency. If she didn't turn off the iPad when I asked that she wasn't using this skill, then later on she was going to get in huge major danger somewhere. And it was so scary. So that little iPad moment became huge. Now, the thing is, getting the little thing right or wrong is just getting the little thing right or wrong. It's not the bigger thing. I wasn't helping her develop skills to follow instructions when I was punishing her for not turning off the iPad. I was just making her mad, which was making me mad. And then we were still stuck with my frustration when we were out on walks and she wasn't listening to my instructions. She never, she did, she did get better. <laughs> but, um, in this time, she didn't get better at listening on walks because I wasn't teaching her the skill of how to listen. Even, you know, the iPad situation, even in that situation, I wasn't teaching her how to listen. I was just punishing her, which wasn't giving her the skill. It was just making her mad. And I was just worrying about the future and punishing in the moment for those little things because of that worry. So instead, we're going to step away from the fear and think of this as a moment. In this moment, your child has an unlearned skill. Now, you might not know exactly what it is yet, and that's what this moment is about. So in this moment, your child doesn't listen to you, you know? Like, that's what I needed to, to figure out. But instead, I was just punishing, punishing, punishing anytime she didn't listen to me because I was just so worried. So that this moment, though, is about figuring out what's going on. Why isn't she turning the iPad off right now? Not if she doesn't turn this iPad off, she's going to run away from me in the street and she's going to get hit by a car. You see that difference? It's more, why isn't she turning off the iPad right now? What's getting in the way? So let's say the principal calls and said they discovered that your child has been bullying somebody. This is a moment. Now your child has done something terrible. It's true, but you can't fix their unlived future by punishing them now. If instead you take the time to work through the fear of what this means before you make a choice, then you're going to be nice and grounded and you're going to be aware. You'll be more in tune with your child. You'll have the right questions to ask your child. You'll remember that your child is also terrified at what they did. They know they've messed up. The school has probably already given them a punishment or told them they're going to get a punishment. And now even if they're standing in front of you justifying their bullying behavior in some way, deep down they know that what they've done is wrong. So take a breath. This moment is a moment. It's not the future. It's a moment right now. If your child hits their sibling, okay, we'll do something that's a little bit more commonplace. Even if they hit their sibling every day, this is a moment. It does not mean that your child is on their way to becoming a serial killer. Now, what to do with this moment, because I can hear the question, but what about when this moment happens every day, like hitting their sibling? We can't just do nothing, right? Now, yes, right, we can't just do nothing. But remembering that this is a moment is such an important first step. So now let's move on to the next step, the second step. The next thing to do is to connect in this moment. Keep remembering this is a moment and connect with your child and figure out what's going on. So you just got off the phone with the principal, your child is standing there with a look that tells you they know exactly what the principal said. Now you need to know, this is a moment, and in this moment your child is in fight, flight, or freeze, or fib. I, I've, I've been hearing that lately, I don't know if it's canonized in, in uh, science anywhere, but fight, flight, freeze, or fib. I love it because I think it explains children's... Um, behavior so well when they're dysregulated. You've heard of fight, flight, and freeze, right? When somebody's dysregulated, when something, they're in trauma, something really terrible is happening, they might fight, they might flight, which means like run away, they might freeze, which means shut down, or they might fib. That's the additional one that's being added uh, in some some literature. Um, And I think that that's so helpful to know that because fibbing is not necessarily a moral a morally corrupt thing to do. Sometimes it's the thing that your child reaches for when they're dysregulated. So fight, flight, freeze, or fib. Your child is in that moment because the principal has just called. They're they're ready to tell you why they don't deserve a punishment. That's fight. Or they're ready to run away and shut you out. That's flight. Or they're frozen to the spot and not saying anything. Or they're putting together a lie to try and get out of this. But no matter what, they're dysregulated because they're afraid because they know they messed up. So if you take time right in this moment to connect with them, guess what's going to happen? You're going to help their nervous system calm down. You're going to co-regulate with them. Co-regulation is such a powerful parenting tool. What it means in a nutshell, and I've talked about this on lots of episodes, you can listen back to pretty much any episode I'm always talking about it. It's bringing your calm to your child and sharing it with them. When this happens, your child's brain calms down. They stop needing to fight or run away or lie because they feel safe. Now, you may not always start out cool as a cucumber, right? We are not calm when we hear that our child has been bullying somebody, right? So sometimes we have to take a moment to collect ourselves. We have to go regulate our emotions. (laughs) Like we talked about in the last point, the way we can do this is remind ourselves this is a moment remind ourselves that our child made a mistake because they don't have the skills they need and we are going to share our calm with them so that we can figure out how to make things right that's our only job in this moment there's more jobs later but in this moment that's our only job now connection is different for every child hugs are always a good first thing to try if you're regularly hugging your child in your relationship this might be easy but some kids don't like hugs and that's okay If they don't, do whatever else you can to connect. You can get close in a way that's comfortable for them. So maybe sit down on the couch and pat the seat next to you to invite them to come closer. Or if your child is young, something that works so well is to bend down below them, crouch down below to make yourself less threatening. Hold their hand, pat their arm. Use your words to to really convey that we are calming down together. So something like, oh, something big happened today. I love you. We're going to figure this out. Or you might feel scared after hearing what the principal was telling me. I'm going to stay together with you in this. I know we can figure it out. This is such an important step. And it's the one we often forget because we're so focused on that conditioning from our society that tells us if we don't make the point now with a strong punishment, they'll never learn. Now that is just straight up hogwash, Get rid of that thinking, even though society is trying to tell us that that's the way it is, that if we don't punish them, they'll never learn. No, that's not true because kids' brains don't learn when they're scared or angry. They learn when they feel safe, when they feel connected. So when you take the time to co-regulate and connect with them before making any decisions about what they've done, guess what you're doing? You're priming their, their brain to learn. So if you truly want them to stop doing this, then they need to learn a skill, right? And when we connect with them, we are priming their brain to learn that skill. Now, the pushback I get on this concept is that when we grew up, we did learn our lesson from punishment. And that's true to an extent, to an extent, okay, for the quote, lucky kids, who have solid working memories and executive function skills, so normally neurotypical kids, they do tend to remember the nasty punishment, and it's bad enough that they never want to repeat it. However, if you were one of these kids, be honest with yourself. Did you learn anything? Or did you just learn to not get caught? Or did you just learn to stop doing it because you didn't want the punishment? But did you learn how to connect with your sibling when instead of hitting them? No like we didn't learn skills, maybe we learned to stop the behavior, or, or we might have learned to hide the behavior, or to feel shame for the behavior, or to lie about the behavior and cover it up, Um, but we didn't actually learn skills from that punishment, we didn't actually learn, you know, how to stop punching our sibling, how to, how to, how to calm ourselves down, and, um, connect with our sibling and build a relationship with our sibling, we just learned either don't let our parents find out we hit them or don't, uh, I I don't know. We, we, we learned maybe to stuff our feelings down. We, We learned a lot of negative coping, um, skills. I don't even know if I want to call them skills, but negative coping mechanisms. That's what we learned from it. Um, But for a child whose parent connects with them when they make a mistake, they're going to learn that they can go to their parents when they mess up. They're going to learn how to regulate their emotions because their parents are doing it with them. And as they mature, they'll be able to do it more on their own. So when they punch their sibling and they realize what they've done they're going to eventually feel sorry and want to make amends, especially if their parent co-regulates with them because they're going to have that nervous system calming down. And so they're going to be able to move to the part where they feel guilty and they want to repair. But if a, a parent comes in and punishes them and forces them to say sorry, they don't feel that necessary guilt that makes them want to apologize and make things right with their sibling. They might feel shame, which makes them act differently, maybe push down their feelings or come out with fighting. But we, when we co-regulate with them, we help them move through their emotions and feel the appropriate um, emotions and responses so that they can then make the appropriate decisions to repair things. So I can tell you this is true because I've watched it happen in my own family. I used to punish and I don't anymore. And I, I do everything that I talk about in my podcast here. And it's night and day difference. Now, my kids still make mistakes all the time. Sometimes the same mistake over and over in the same day. But because we use connection when they mess up, their emotions quickly become regulated and they figure out how to resolve their mistake with our connection and guidance. Or sometimes for our older kids who have been getting this now for a while, sometimes they don't even necessarily need our guidance. Sometimes they're able to regulate themselves and figure out how to resolve things completely on their own. So they don't tend to run away from us, although they did when we first started this. They don't tend to add lies to their crimes, although they did when we first started this. They don't tend to hide their crimes or anything like that. And I do say they don't tend to because, of course, these things still happen from time to time because nobody wants to get noticed for their mistakes, even when their parents are connecting with them. But in general, kids are much more open to resolutions than they were when they're being connected with. And I can say that, because when I was using punishment, it was all about just getting them to do what I wanted them to do, and eventually maybe they would, or maybe they'd fight forever. But using punishment, using consequences, not understanding where they were coming from, that never helped them learn. But now they do learn. Now they can. When I was using punishment, it was almost impossible to get my kids to see another person's perspective. Now, I now know this is because punishment dysregulated them so much And it severed the connection between us. And I now know that their brain closed up and stopped learning when they got a punishment. When they get connection, however, their nervous system relaxes. Their mind opens up to what I have to say. Their mind opens up to their own insights too, which is so fabulous. And then they learn a lesson based on what their safe mind has thought or based on the skills that I can then teach them because their mind is safe which leads us to the third and final step in this process. And it's so important. After calming our own nervous system by remembering this is a moment, that was the first one. And after connecting with our children, that was the second one, we then teach skills. Now remember, when our kids make a mistake, it's because they're lacking a skill. Just like with the walking, when the child falls down, they don't have the skill of walking yet. When your child talks back to you, they don't have the skill of talking appropriately when they're when they're feeling upset. When your child hits their sibling, they don't have emotional control yet. So they, these are skills that they still don't have. And when we look at everything through that lens, instead of, ooh, they did something bad, I need to make them stop doing the bad thing, then things open up. So what skill... Was your child lacking when they bullied the kid at school? We're going back to that example. Well, in step two, when you connected with them, you might have gotten some clues. They may have told you their side of the story, and you may have seen that they felt pressured from someone else, or that the kid had been mean to them first, or that they didn't know why they did it that they didn't like the kid, that they were mad, whatever. But that's where you start. And none of those things are bad, right? Like whatever your, whatever skill you're uncovering that's lacking, it's not bad. If your kid bullied a kid because they don't like that kid, we can't moralize that and say, well, you're so bad for not liking that kid. Like that's a really key piece of information. Why doesn't our child like that kid? And why do they feel like they need to bully that kid because they don't like him? There's, there's, that's a really important thing to understand. And there's a deeper skill there that we can dive in deeper and deeper and deeper to help them understand. So, but basically what was skill was lacking and how can it be taught? So back to the example of your child, they're hitting their sibling. If your child keeps hitting their sibling, you can be pretty sure that they're lacking impulse control and probably emotional control. What can you teach them to build those skills can you play games that teach more impulse control? Can you come up with a ready phrase they can use to help them calm down? Can you teach them some self calming routines? Now, these are just ideas. And again, with the bullying, it's all, it's all just, it's when you just know, like, okay, they just don't like that kid. And so they start picking on them. Well, What, what more is there? Are they bored? And so they pick on them. Um, do they feel bad about themselves? What don't they like about that kid? Is it holding up a mirror to themselves? And so they're picking on them. Do we need to work on their self-esteem? Do we need to work on helping them understand what to do when they're bored? So many things like that, right? We can't let them keep bullying. We can't let them keep hitting, but we're not going to solve that by just punishing them we will solve it by understanding what's going on and then teaching the appropriate skills. And so these skills that I, these ideas that I've said, they're just ideas, but do you see how this approach helps your child improve over time and learn the lesson that you actually want them to learn? Punishment might get them to stop hitting their sibling in the moment or might get them to stop bullying the kid, but really it's likely gonna make them feel bad or angry and the hitting and the bullying is still going to continue because they haven't learned how to not hit and how to not bully. They haven't learned what to do instead. They haven't learned what to do with their big emotions, their lack of impulse control, their their low self-esteem. They haven't learned what to do about it because we're just punishing them. Now punishment, this this might make us feel uncomfortable, what I'm about to say. Punishment makes parents feel good. It makes us feel like we're doing something proactive to make a point. And so I think that's why we do it. That's part of why we do it. It makes us feel like we're doing something. We're making a point, but it's not a long-term solution. It's not something that actually changes behaviors. Behaviors change when children are connected with and when they have the skills and development to be successful. And sometimes this is hard, but sometimes it just takes time to develop those skills. Sometimes children need to mature before they can access those skills. So if you just ground your child for bullying or take their their phone away, especially after the school has probably already enacted a punishment because that's how our, our school systems are often set up, your child is not going to learn how to be nice. They just won't, period. Okay? Like, we can just clearly say that because they haven't resolved whatever it was that caused them to bully. They might stop out of fear, but did you ever know a bully? (laughs) They don't stop. They don't stop by being punished. They just get better at bullying. They just get sneakier because that thing is not being resolved because they don't know what to do to be better. They need connection from their parents as their parents teach them new skills. What we tend to want to do is teach them a lesson and that's where the punishment comes in. We want them to learn that they did a bad thing so that they don't do that bad thing again. But that's not how human brains work. Human brains are better primed to learn lessons and skills when they feel safe. Connection brings safety. So connect first, then teach skills, and your child will learn the right thing to do over time. Now, if you've never parented this way, it will take time for you and for your child. It's different. Now, I believe it's actually intuitive because our nervous systems are designed to seek comfort, and connection. That's what we're learning as science progresses, which is so cool. We are designed, humans are designed for connection and attachment to the humans that we love. So I do believe that this is built into us, this idea of connecting with our children instead of punishing them. I do believe we come that way, but society smacks it right out of us by teaching us through punishment and rewards. So as we grow up, we lose the intuition but I do believe that because it was once there, it's still in there. The more you start reacting with connection first and a mindset that your child needs skills, not punishment, the more you're going to be able to rely on that intuition and the easier this is going to get. I hope this has been helpful. To sum up, children need us to one, stop ourselves from catastrophizing and remember this is a moment. We don't have to fix our child right now in order to prevent some horrible future. This is a moment. Two, our children need us to connect with them when they've done something bad, even horrible. They need to know they are loved no matter what, and they need us to help them regulate their emotions. They really do. They need help regulating their emotions. And three, children need us to teach them solutions, not punish them for mistakes one really great way to connect with your child is with my back and forth journal. It gives you the space to work some of this out with your child and to really understand your child and let your, your child understand you. And I also have a self-paced course called how to stop yelling that covers all of this with actionable steps. So you can gradually get better at this and follow a, a logical process to learn how to parent this way. I'll put both links in my show notes. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for pausing and connecting with me today. Your support seriously means the world to me. If you found this episode helpful, I want you to know I have countless other resources for you to find more connection in your motherhood and life. Head to my website, rebeccabrownwright.com, to check out my blog, check out my back and forth journal for parents and kids, and take a look at Pause and Connect Academy where you can find courses to help you stop yelling, find your strengths, and finally get your kids to listen to you. As always, if you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving a positive review sharing it on social media or sharing with your friends. I love you. And I want you to thrive in your motherhood and life. Thank you for being here. Now go forth and connect.